I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, everybody? So this is an extra episode because there's been extra news that we didn't expect there to be news for. The Celtics decided to waive Mo Wagner, Mo Wagner, however you want to pronounce that name. He's gone, so we don't need to learn it properly. And they decided to bring in Jabari Parker, um, a name that we do know how to pronounce properly, but we have no idea how he's going to improve the team, if he improves it at all. I've brought back Mr. Brendan Nunes, used to run this stuff with me. Um, as you know, Brendan covers the Kings. The Kings had Jabari Parker most recently, albeit only for a nine-game sample size. Brendan is feeling like he could give us a bit more insight than what we probably have already. Brendan, what's up, my dude? What's going on, Adam? Glad to be back, man. Um, I'll say real quick about the not learning to properly say Mo Wagner, if I'm saying that right, or Wagner. He has a brother coming into the league. Oh, so, Wagner. Yeah, Wagner. German yeah. is Wagner. It, he is German. So Franz Wagner is coming into the draft. And I got to tell you, that's my draft crush, by the way. But I'm glad to be on here, Adam. He's not going to be a number two pick, but hopefully he'll produce more than Jabari Parker did. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an expert on number two picks from Duke that are busts. Don't you know? I didn't know this. Are you an expert? Yeah, I'm a Kings fan. So, so a couple. yeah, big, big dude. Tom, you see, the first thing I thought of when I saw Jabari Parker had struggled in, in Sacramento was it's highly possible that Luke Walton had put him in a system or put him in a position in that system that just didn't work for Jabari Parker because he's doing that to guys that are really good right now. He'll put an air quote system. Yeah. 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 uh, yeah, Just play basketball, but do it in a way that doesn't make you look good, please. Um, He did like similar to Dwayne Dedman, right? You were big on Dwayne Dedman before he turned up in Sacramento, turns up in Sacramento and then all of a sudden he's got two left feet and loses his shooting touch instantly. So how much? And yeah. I know, I know you were sad about this. You you'd gone on. Deadman thing is is still the most strange thing I've ever experienced. Actually, I thought he was good in Atlanta, and it, it's not even like you know. Usually, typically, you see guys like Alec Burks, right? Came through Sacramento last year, was acquired at the trade deadline, didn't play, ended up not making the rotation pretty much by the end of the year, and they were kind of chasing a playoff run. Um, went to the bubble and everything. And then he goes to New York and I see our friend, Jonathan Macri talking about this guy deserves the MLE. So typically that's what happens. And maybe that's what will happen with Jabari, but the Deadman situation, he couldn't even get on a roster after that. He's still, I think he just signed a 10 day. Um, I forget exactly where, but he can't get rostered right now. It's very interesting. And Jabari Parker was cut from the Kings. Um, and the Kings had their own front court depth issues. So I think it is telling that he couldn't break that rotation. Um, But Sacramento already has the worst defense in the league, statistically the worst defense of all time this season. And Jabari Parker's not a good defender. So if you're looking for him to be an offensive spark plug, maybe he can do that, but that's not a role that Sacramento needed at all. Um, and by spark plug, I definitely don't mean like 15 minutes a night, but I mean, you know, nine points in three minutes sort of thing. Um, and yeah, so I think that there is like scoring potential with Jabari Parker, but know that he is a horrible defender. 
So the first thing is, why did the Boston Celtics decide to release Wagner or Wagner, however you want to pronounce it, and go and get Jabari Parker? So it's quite obvious that when they made that deal for Daniel Tice, they lost one big, brought two back. Looks like Luke Cornett, the green Cornet, has won that battle. And Mo Wagner was just surplus to requirements. And honestly, I kind of started to believe he was behind Taco Fall in the depth chart. So if the opportunity comes to remove a big man, a center, a five from that rotation and replace him with a guy that will play the four. That makes perfect sense. I've spoken um, a common topic on this podcast the last week or two has been the defensive upside of that second unit. When you've got guys like Romeo Langford, you've got Christian Thompson, Semi Ojale can give you some spot minutes as a good defensive guy. They had the defensive core for that second unit already in place. Evan Fournier is going to be probably their primary offensive guy on that second unit. But then, and then obviously they'll stagger one of Jalen, Kemba or Jason as well. But they they need extra points off that second unit. If you watch that Lakers game, once they rolled out like the, the worst of the, the creme de la creme of the worst on that team, they re, they the, the lead just dissipated instantly. So bringing in somebody like Jabari that, as you say, can come off the bench, give you a quick nine, and then get him off the floor before he allows 12 on the defensive end. That could make sense. I've been watching some film. One of the biggest things for me is he he looks like he's going to be a corner-free guy for them. They're going to run him similar to how they run Grant and how they run Shemi. Post him in the corner, ask him to shoot off the catch, and then possibly drive closeouts. What did you see from him as a three-point shooter? Because I know that once you bring him out of that corner, his uh, success rate plummets quite quickly. Yeah, it's interesting. I never noticed the corner numbers all too much. Like I said, he didn't play a great deal in Sacramento, but I know that, I mean, he is respected from range. Um, he definitely has a gravity to him, which I think is important. And I think that, yeah, if he's your, you know, second, third offensive guy, I guess, you know, someone to run a pick and roll with Evan Fournier, he does have NBA experience. I think that if you're just kind of taking a shot in the dark, this is a it's definitely not high upside, but I could say like high upside for a potential like ninth guy. Like, I don't know how many guys were just available on the market that could potentially be your ninth guy. And I think that the offensive upside potential of Jabari Parker at six, eight with like you're saying, he does have gravity as a three point shot and um, being able to attack closeouts with a little bit of somewhat of a burst um, that maybe there's something there, you know, as long as he's put in an actual system and the defensive shortcomings could be hidden if you're just playing a few minutes against opposing teams benches anyway. So um, I kind of went off track from your question, but I do think that he has shooting gravity and he can take advantage of that and attack the bucket as well. I know that when he was with Atlanta, they like to put him in as a trail guy, not consistently, but they'd have him play trailer sometimes come up the court last and then they'd feed him the ball after penetration and allow him to get downhill. And he seems like he's quite strong once he's already got that, that downhill motion to him. It's when you're asking him to actually pick up some speed while keeping a live dribble in the half court that things go terribly, terribly wrong for this guy. Um, real low. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see I've put out, he's got a real low gaffer point. So he gets stripped a lot. But the biggest concern for me, if he dribbles more than three times, it's probably not going to end well. No. And if he decides to try and do a swing pass, it's probably not going to end well. The biggest issue for me really stems up like, where in the depth chart does he fit, right? Because the Celtics have been running Grant Williams next to Tristan Thompson at the four and five with that second unit. And they've been defensively, they've been solid. And then you know that Grant Williams is a trustworthy corner free guy himself. So I'd assume that Jabari Parker is going to be behind Grant Williams in that rotation. 
I would guess that, I mean, yes, yes. I, I think the simple answer is yes, but I think it's a night to night basis where if you are desperate for an offensive spark, I guess try to throw Jabari out. You know, I, I mean, I, I think there's a good chance that he doesn't even see very many minutes. Um, so I think he's definitely behind Grant, but I think it's just going to be on spot occasions where it's like, man, our offense is stagnant right now. Um, the guys that were staggering when only one of them is out there aren't able to get it going because they need a little bit more offensive versatility around them than maybe like you're just going to try Jabari in a situation where I think you desperately need some offense and maybe he shows something and can work his way above Grant on some nights. Um, but I, I mean, I think he's definitely behind Grant. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think he comes into this roster and starts um, outperforming anybody immediately. I think that a lot of people are looking at this as maybe the Celtics, because they've bit on him for a two-year deal. So maybe they're looking at this as a, a buy low, be able to sell high type of thing, if they can help him rediscover some form form of solid play. I know somebody messaged me earlier, like, do you think this could be another Evan Fournier? And I was like, I think Evan Fournier was more versatile. I'm, not Evan Fournier, sorry, Evan Turner. Um, and I was like, I think Turner could be was more versatile on both ends of the floor and could do more than what Jabari Parker can. But he had flashes when he was in Milwaukee, dude, offensively. He had some nice like moments there. But then, as we said before we came on air, you were telling me like there was a playoff series last time Boston uh, beat Milwaukee in the playoffs. When was it? 17-18? 17-18. There's like an entire highlight reel of just Jabari Parker making mistakes. And Brad Stevens will not put up with a guy that's just getting destroyed on the defensive end. Not now the Celtics are finally building that defensive identity back. To be fair, actually, I didn't put this together. Brad was the one scheming to attack Jabari Parker. So I guess probably knows he has to hide him. You know, he has some experience dealing with Jabari. And that's part of the reason why I think that this second unit and the way they're set up at the moment with so much defensive like steel in that second unit could afford to have a guy like Jabari spend five or six minutes a night, maybe, you know, push it as far as 10 for your offense, because you've already got the defensive pieces in place that will be able to help hide his flaws and mistakes. I just don't want it to be that everybody's hoping Jabari is going to come in and all of a sudden score 15 a night. Cause I've seen people tweet out his career average and his career average is, quite deceiving when you imagine the fact that he's not going to be getting the minutes to provide that type of impact for the Celtics or at least not right away. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, for all the crap that Brad gets, he does a really good job or at least has in the past, not with every single player um, shown an ability to optimize players with specific strengths and really catering to their skill sets when it comes to role players. You know, I think Evan Fournier works, or Evan Evan Fournier, I see I did it too. Evan Turner, um, Jay Crowder. I mean, I think of Isaiah Thomas, obviously, who's on a different caliber. Um, but there's role players that I think Brad makes work. I think Shemi Ojale, um is an example of that. So if Brad can do a thing that he's done in the past and kind of hide some of the shortcomings of Jabari Parker only put him in ideal situations where, you know, he's really just a straight line driver. That's not forced to make many decisions on offense and then hit it on the defensive end. Um, but just kind of get some shots up slash and things like that. Then, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe there is something, maybe there is a ninth guy here, you know? 
as a guy that covers the Kings but grew up as a Celtics fan, when you saw this news, how did you feel? Because you're in a really you're in a really unique position right now. So you just laughed. Was it like a, a nervous laugh? Was it a hilarious? This is belly busting, or was it? Was, a- yeah, it was more so like really like uh, yeah, it, it was hilarious because it just felt so like desperate from the Celtics for sure. Because I just I just have talked a lot of crap about Jabari Parker. Um, so for him to follow it sounds like so self-absorbed, but to follow me to Boston. <laughs> That is quite self-absorbed. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'd be thinking the same thing too. Like, what, you're following me? That's it's true. It is. And I, I get that. I think that for me, I'm hopeful that he'll be able to provide something the Celtics second unit's been missing. He'll be able to give them that offensive punch. And they, I have quite a high belief that they'll be able to hide his defensive inefficiencies just because of the way that that, that second unit's set up. I just don't want it to be that another guy comes in that could be a redemption project, but ends up getting minutes over guys with high ceilings already that aren't getting the production. Like if you needed a corner free guy, I know that it's a different position, but if you're just going to put him out there and ask him to stand in the corners, do that with Neesmith and let Jabari Parker just be on the bench. Right. And then fill in when, when the rotation shortened due to injuries and stuff, I get it's an extra body. But there are other guys on the team that I would prefer to see get minutes over Jabari. Definitely. Um, And I'll say that, you know, one thing I definitely want to mention is there was a front court lack of depth in Sacramento. You know, they just traded from Will Harkless. Nemanja Bialica was kind of in that rotation, I guess. Um, They're playing Justin James for spot minutes. There's so many three-guard lineups. Um, Luke Walton's doing plenty of situations where he's playing veterans over young guys even though that's not the situation Sacramento should be in. And Jabari Parker was cut from the team, like couldn't make the rotation. Um, He wasn't with the team most of the year, but he was last year and was not making the rotation. Um, So yeah, maybe, maybe the Celtics can unlock something. It's not rare for a player to be um, not optimized in Sacramento and then become a role player somewhere else. So maybe that's the case, but I I do want to say like it, yeah, I mean, Jabari Parker couldn't make Sacramento's rotation. And I kind of think it's just because Jabari Parker's not great. But we'll see. It's, I mean, everything's a combination, right? To be fair to Jabari, like um, he's had two knee injuries, both ACLs, if I recall. Then he came over to Sacramento, injured his back, came back from the back injury, contracted coronavirus. So like, he, it's not like he had the easiest path to getting minutes either. Uh, I feel like I'm just playing devil's advocate here. But, you know, by the time he he even gets back into training or back onto traveling with the team, your rotations are already set. He's behind in a fitness standpoint, behind in a schematic standpoint, and he just didn't have time to work his way into that rotation. Obviously, they still cut him, so they didn't have faith that he would ever figure that out. But I do think that he did have, like, the deck stacked against him in terms of injuries and recovery and his ability to fit into what Sacramento were trying to do, which apparently is losing, but at the time we didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know if they're trying to, but they're definitely doing it. Um, Yeah, I think that, you know, there is totally a potentially other side to it with a bunch of plausible angles, including what you said or what I mentioned. I don't remember if we were recording when I said it. earlier but that Sacramento's the worst defense 
statistically all time and Jabari Parker's a whole Oh yeah, we defender. were recording. We were recording. Okay. Yeah, so you know, there's a reason that I, I think possibly there that he wasn't cracking the rotation either. Um, they want somewhat capable defensive players. He was really hyped up. I, I believe he was a Vlade Divac trade at the deadline last year. He was part of the Deadman deal. Um, and he was so hyped up when they brought him to Sacramento. It was so funny. Like, not in a any crazy way or anything, but it was just the fact that there was any hype around Jabari Parker when they were dumping Dwayne Deadman and getting Jabari Parker back was just funny. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally see that Sacramento could have just been a weird circumstance for him and Jabari Parker shown an ability to score the basketball for stretches throughout his career. So maybe he can do that in Boston. Um, I just wanted to make sure to mention, you know, I, I think that his play was part of the reason he wasn't cracking the rotation, but it's definitely not the whole story. And we don't know the whole thing could be somebody in this Boston rotation. I would probably bet against him, but there is a chance. And I think that there's not many guys available on the open market where there is a real chance like that. So for everybody listening, if you want any glimmer of hope, Brendan is also the guy that said that Peyton Pritchard wouldn't crack the rotation or wouldn't be an NBA player. So him saying don't bet against it means completely and utterly bet on it happening. I, you know, the laugh I had when Jabari Parker uh, signed with the Celtics is the same laugh I had when I saw the Woj or Sham tweet that the Celtics took Pritchard. You see, see everybody, this is good. This is good signs. Good signs. Brendan, I'm just joshing. Um, One of the things that I saw on social media that made me giggle a little bit, and I generally just kind of like smirk if I find something funny across social media, media, I don't really actually create sounds was um somebody had put out and i don't know whether it was on twitter or already or wherever it may be but they were like brad stevens got his shot at one of his favorite players one of his darlings in jeff teague and it didn't work out so this is danny ainge saying right i'm going for one of my darlings who's jabari parker and i'm we're gonna see if my one works out better than when your way the better than the way the way your one worked out i had a complete and utter brain lapse then but it was basically like because Danny Ainge has been vocal about him liking Jabari Parker in the past, so there was definitely some interest from Buster. And I don't know whether this was always part of the plan, but you know, if the guy that's telling me that he laughed the same way he laughed when Pritchard got drafted, um, then I- I'm feeling confident that there's at least a player in there. I think that there's definitely still a player in there. He, I don't think he's a number two level draft pick type of player with that type of ceiling anymore. But there's got to be enough about him to be able to crack a rotation as a ninth, tenth guy and be able to sustain that for 18 months, surely. Yeah, I mean, there is potential there. Yeah, uh, I, I think. Um, I said to Brendan, off air, I said, Brendan, do you think he could be a good corner free guy that can attack closeouts? And what was your response, Brendan? I said, in China. In China, because everybody can get buckets in China. It's, it's true. It's Imagine be- the Jabari Parker, Jimmer Fredette showdowns. Sacramento classic right there. Jim Fredette, is he still in China? Probably. On the Sharks. He, he was is the king. Sharks. He was a king, wasn't he? Wasn't he averaging like 45 a night? What? Oh, in China? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. You said he was a king. You were throwing me off. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, just like he was dominant, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, yeah, he, yeah, going crazy. Jabari Parker could put a bucket. And like, you're like a, a super A-lister in China if you just joined the Chinese Basketball League. So, yeah. 
it's it's crazy. I think he's going to be good. I think there's, there's a world where Jabari cements himself as a ninth or tenth guy in this rotation. I think any more than that, if he builds himself higher, climbs the depth chart higher than that, then this is a complete win because you're picking a guy up with the lowest possible value in the league. A guy that you know I'd forgot was even not in, on a team. He wasn't somebody that ever cried. Like, I never thought to myself, let me go see how Jabari Parker's been the last few weeks. You know what I mean? How many? What percentage of your listeners do you think just found out that Jabari Parker was on the Kings within the I last think, week? I think we've got very knowledgeable listeners. I think 20% maybe at, at tops. I do think that the majority of them didn't know he'd been cut from the Kings. I think a lot of Kings fans didn't know he was on the team. <laughs> he was like, I mean, half the time he wasn't with the team. Yeah. He was injured, dude. This year, at least. He was in the treatment room. That's where he was. He was with the medical staff. And that's another thing as well. Like, I don't want them to put him in a position where he's picking up injuries too much. And it's hard because, you like, I want him to climb that depth chart because if he can turn himself into a viable trade asset just to help you get off of someone like Carson Edwards, right, and dump two guys, one of those two is going to have to build their trade value to make that a realistic proposition. And I honestly think that if that's going to happen, it'll be Jabari Parker more so than it'll be a guy like Carson Edwards. Yeah, maybe, you know, combined, they're both enough where it's like, well, you know, these guys could each play 10 minutes a night or something to finish out their contracts or something. So, yeah, maybe. That pretty much wraps us up, guys. It was just really, you know, what can we expect from Jabari Parker with a guy that apparently really doesn't like Jabari Parker? Apparently, Apparently, I, I do not like Jabari he Parker. does like Tyrese Halliburton, though. I do. And I like... Well, I, I, I don't love Aaron Neesmith, but I like Aaron Neesmith. And I think that he should get all of the minutes over Jabari Parker. Yeah, I just feel like they're going to put Parker at the four and Neesmith usually at the two or the three. Probably, right? yeah. I mean, I think even Grant should get minutes, the minutes over Parker. Yeah, but, I, think, I think that Parker, like you said, it's going to have to be situational. And it's going to be when you're like, Dude, we need instant offense. We need a quick six, a quick nine, and then you can come right. back off the floor and you're done for the night. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's going to be very weird. Could uh, you he know, be I, the guy to win a game in a playoff series for you? No. Not even at his peak. If they may, like, what's it, what would you say his ceiling is at this point now? What's his absolute ceiling? Um, I, I think he gets a statue next, next to Marbury. I mean, there's no need to be joking like that. Dude, that's a that's a really good ceiling though. Marbury's a legend. Well, that's why I don't think it would happen. So, what do you think his <laughs> absolute ceiling is? Like an honest one. Like, do you see I mean, him I, ever being I, a sixth I, man, a seventh, eighth? Do you see him make, becoming a regular starter? Which I mean, never I'm just, I guess in my head, I'm just questioning. Like, at his peak, is he a? Does he get minutes in the playoffs? He'd have to be really impactful on offense. I don't think there's a world where he is anything but a major negative on the defensive end of the floor. I think he'd have to be really impactful on the offensive end. And I guess not crazy impactful, but he'd have to hit his shots and just not do too much. Um, if that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, eighth guy is probably my ceiling. Like his, absolute floor ceiling. Is, his floor is where he's at now, right? Like clinging onto the league by any chance necessary. Yeah. His, I mean, like, I don't know. I think there's a chance that I don't know. Wagner's probably nothing, but I, I don't know. I think I'd probably be more interested in keeping Wagner around than grabbing Parker. But I understand yeah. in the in the Celtics' current situation. But I think like in a vacuum, player to player, if you want to talk about like the floor, 
I think the floor is you're looking at that. And you're like, man, we should have kept Mo Wagner. Yeah, and I get that. Like Wagner was like starting for the Wizards a few months ago. Now he's at like he's waiting for his team to pick him up. Jabari Parker was not doing anything and has been picked up in replacement of him. That's definitely just to add more um, balance to the construction of the roster, more than it is an indictment of what Wagner can do, um, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. But I do think that in my head, I kind of thought about this because this the news broke while I was asleep. It, it broke at like 2 a.m. Um, my time. And uh, so I woke up and the first thing I thought of was, if this doesn't work, if Jabari Parker cannot crack this rotation and rides the pine, um, for the duration of that contract or ends up getting waived, I don't think you see him back in the league again because he's just no. bounced from too many teams and not done anything. I didn't think he was going to get picked up by anyone after Sacramento cut him. And then he will. It's, be, it's been a little while now that he's been um, cut. I think it's been. Do you think attitude? I don't want anything to do. But... Um, like maybe. you covered the team. Like, did you ever hear anything about his attitude? No, like I said, he wasn't really like available that much. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like the one COVID related thing was that, you know, he was like caught, like playing tennis and hanging out with a bunch of people right when COVID was starting to get bad and uh, not wearing a mask. And then he caught it right after that. So there's been like little things with him like that, I guess, um, that are somewhat agitating, but no, I can't think of at least during his short time in Sacramento, where again, he wasn't with the team all that much. I can't think of any personality issues being reported or anything. I mean, that's a good sign, right? That, I mean, that's the that's a, the bare minimum that you want to hear. I think yeah. we, I think we're just going to go in circles from this point, or we could just talk absolute nonsense. So um, I'm going to let the listeners enjoy the rest of their weekend. Everybody, thank you for listening. Catch me again on Monday when I'll be with Greg. And then if you're available on Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, come stop by and say hey to me over at the Locker Room app running that live mailbag. Please be sure to leave that five-star written review. Say something nice because nice things make me smile. And we will definitely speak to you again Monday. Stay safe, everybody. Brendan, as always, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you very much, bro. Where can people find you? Thank you. It's uh, at Brendan Nunes NBA on Twitter. And if you're psychotic and want to hear about the Sacramento Kings, it's Kings Pulse Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Peace, everyone.